Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Did you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own Melissa and Ellie. Hey, welcome to the third Pottercast. Today is September 6, 2005. I'm Melissa from Pottercast, and once again, we have a great lineup for you. In our fan interview, Leaky Lounge moderator Lori Damarell, who many of you know as Asphodel Wormwood, whose uh, dulcet tones have earned her a fan club on the forums, interviews lounge member Kai Rain. Then our modcast features not one, not two, but three of our staff boys. Uh, it's unprecedented. Our designer, John Noe, explains exactly why we rely on him for his designs and not his Harry Potter trivia knowledge, while Kim wonders about the status of her job after this extremely interesting segment uh, hits the air. It's, our, it's definitely our most animated podcast to date. After that, we have our In the Know segment, in which we speak to a reporter who has seen Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and shares all the juicy details about the film, about Voldemort, about Pettigrew, about Mad-Eye Moody, Rita Skeeter, all the shipping, and more. He promises it's going to be the best Potter film yet, so hang around to see why. After that, in our Extendable Ears segment, we focus on director of the third Harry Potter film, Alfonso Cuaron, in a clip in which he speaks about the transition from a little princess to Potter and what it was like to work with the actors in the third film. Also, stick around until the end of the show when we will give you some very special directions on how to take part in a special segment of next week's show. Also, on a more somber note, our thoughts and prayers are still with our friends on the Gulf Coast as they recover from the devastating effects of Hurricane Katrina. TLC and MuggleNet.com have joined up for a drive to benefit the victims of this disaster. Visit Pottercast.com for all the details and the donation links. In short, the drive will be open for two weeks, at the end of which a lump donation will be made to the Red Cross on behalf of Harry Potter fans. Also for the next two weeks, the Flu Network will donate all commissions from TheCauldronShop.com, the Harry Potter affiliate store that helps us fund our sites, to the Red Cross and will be added into that lump donation. So for more information, go to pottercast.com and click on news. Speaking of news, let's go over to Sue Upton, who has this week's wrap-up. Hello, everyone. This is Sue Upton, one of Leaky Cauldron's editors, and here's our Harry Potter news recap for you. Some very cool cover art to the Dutch version of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was released this week. And we also saw a high-res photo of the cover of the French edition of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince released as well. You can see these and the cover art to all the different editions of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Book 6 from J.K. Rowling, on our website, theleakycauldron.org. The bulk of the news of the week, though, had to do with the films. We learned the budget for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix film will well be in excess of $150 million. This film goes into production in January 2006 with a release date in 2007. There is also news about the soon-to-be-released film Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, of course, which comes out in a few months on November 18th. Some nice new still shots from the movie were released, and we saw a photo of the always wonderful Maggie Smith as Professor McGonagall, as well as another photo of Cho Chang. Some nice new behind-the-scenes photos of Goblet director Mike Newell were also posted this week, and they included him with Harry, Rita Skeeter, the four champions, as well as Karkaroff and Barty Crouch. Do be sure to check out our galleries for all the photos from the upcoming Goblet of Fire film. As the Goblet movie gets closer to its release date, we are seeing more and more of the tie-in products to the film being released. 
and this editor admits she was very happy to see the very cool and brand new Lego Gobble to Fire sets now available from Lego.com. There are four sets in this collection, and they include Harry and the Horntail, the Merpeople set, which includes a very cool yet funny shark-headed crumb, there's the Durmstrang ship, and the very chilling Graveyard Duel set, which features just what we all want to have, our very own Lord Voldemort the Minifig. Seriously, these are all very cool, so if you're anything like me, you can go ahead and order them today. Finally, we learned the Goblet of Fire movie training cards will be released at the end of October, and we saw some photos of the card packs, which feature Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter on the cover, and there's also a very nice collectible tin to store the cards in, with some nice artwork of the four champions on it. Well, that does it for this week, so for all your Harry Potter news, be sure to check out theleakycauldron.org, which is updated continually. And now, on with the show. And now, it's time for In the Fan Corner, a one-on-one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Wicked! Hello everyone and welcome to this week's fan interview. I'm Laurie Damaral, a moderator at the Leaky Lounge, otherwise known as Asphodel Wormwood. And with me today, I have a fellow Leaky Lounge member, um, who you'll know on the lounge as Kyraine, but in real life she goes by the name Elaine. Hello Elaine, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thanks. Good. Nervous? Yes, very. <laughs> Don't be. It'll be it'll be fine. <laughs> right then, let's uh jump in at the deep end and go for book six. What was okay. your favourite part of Half Blood Prince? The end. Um going to get the Horcrux from well, the fake Horcrux, should I say. Um from about when they uh apparated out of Hogsmeade. Um I kind of had a feeling that Dumbledore was going to die and I kept stopping and thinking, no, I just can't read anymore. But it ended up being my favourite part, even though it was really sad. Because it was well-written or dramatic? <laughs> yeah, dramatic. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. I keep rereading that section myself because I just, you just fall into it. It's yeah, very good. it's very good. <laughs> so did you prefer it to the other books or was it not as good as the other books? Um, my favourite still Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, I don't know, I'd say Harper's Prince was about third on my list, I think. Because, um, I don't know, we didn't, it wasn't as, like, long as Order of Phoenix. I know it, Order of Phoenix was very long, but we didn't have as much, like, lesson times, because I really wanted to see Snape being the Defence Against the Stark yes. Arts teacher, and we only got one, one, I think, of those lessons, and, it wasn't that great, you know. No, no, I, I noticed that there was a lot of um, extracurricular, I think they'd call it. Yeah, yeah, the um, apparition tests, yes. I think. So did, did, that, did that make you enjoy it less, that there was less time? Yeah, I think because we're used to reading yeah. about the lessons. I mean, so I preferred I think... it because yeah. sometimes the lessons uh, literally are boring, but in books they can get a bit tedious. So it was quite refreshing yeah. to have yeah. something different. But each to their own. Um, and yeah. the unavoidable question, Snape. What okay. is what is your yeah. lowdown on Snape? Good, evil, ugly, bad, uh, all of the above? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I kind of changed. I do think he's evil and... I'm, I'm trying not to think that he's good, but I just don't know. I'm, uh, I don't, 
I don't want to think he's good because if he ends up being good, um, I might be more surprised. <laughs> so, uh, why did he kill Dumbledore? Was it purely because he hated Dumbledore or because the Dark Lord asked him to? Because of the um, unbreakable vow, I think, that he made at the start, saying that he'll do it instead of Draco. But I started thinking, was that what they meant, or were they talking about something else? Because I don't think they actually said what they were talking about, uh, the what he would do instead of Draco. So um, I'm open to yes. About and what about that, the unbreakable vows? Did you find them? I found them fascinating, actually. They were. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were very interesting because it makes you think about what was going on before. Maybe someone else yes. had an unbreakable vow, and yes. we don't know. It's a bit know, like um, so. the Fidelis charm, and sort of you know its power and what it can make people do. And you have to stick to it. And wizard decks. Yeah, they're all very powerful types of magic, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, and to go back and reread the books, you might think, oh, perhaps. I don't know if someone had an unbreakable vow somewhere or uh, perhaps someone had drunk, what's it, Felix? Yeah, Felix Felix. <laughs> yeah, I can't say anything. Yeah, so do you think anyone did have an unbreakable vow so, in the books before? Any theories? Um, not sure. <laughs> um, I yes. think I'll have to go back and reread. Uh, yes, I'm planning <laughs> repeated rereads, of course. Yeah, I've read them yeah. too many times already. <laughs> so, were there anything in the books? I mean, there was a lot of shipping. Do you are you a shipper? You're not I, a shipper. I'm not a shipper. No, I didn't realise how big the whole thing was until the uh, Emerson and Melissa interview with. JK and everyone's response to it and I was like wow this thing's really huge yes, it's um a lot of people they really really enjoy shipping I think um it's something you really get into yeah and you learn to defend something you know mm. your ship as it were um yeah um I uh think that Hermione and Ron will get together I always thought that I never thought it would be Harry and Hermione. I don't no. know. I don't think it would be. But I didn't know Ginny was going to appear like that. <laughs> Do you late. think um, Harry and Ginny will get back together in the next book? Um, I don't know. Um, I was just too surprised <laughs> that we were, they were together in the first place. Yeah, at least Harry was happy. <laughs> it was nice to have a happy Harry. Yeah, he was. And that was nice. Yeah. Going very sweet, for walks around the lake, you know. <laughs> well, the other thing yeah. I wanted to ask you about, and what I've noticed from uh, sort of, well, not stalking you on the lounge, but, you know, reading your posts on the lounge and seeing what you have to say, <laughs> is that um, you do a bit of fan art. Um, tell me about that. Yes. Uh, well, I started it just after Half-Blood Prince came out, and... I, I really liked the whole sect and semper scene and that's what started it I really wanted to draw that just to s try and figure out what I was thinking in my head how this big cut would be all the way down Malfoy's body so I started off with that one and I don't know that drawing I'm not really too keen on anymore but I, it's my first drawing and that's what I like but it's kind of continued from there and um, I've got 
Uh, quite a few drawings on my site now, so more to come, I think. Yes. So it's so art's something you enjoy doing, and Harry Potter's yeah. something you enjoy doing. You yeah. put the two together. Yeah, it's just nice to combine them and actually draw what's inside my head rather than doing things from observation or whatever. So you have your own images of each character? You're not influenced by yeah. the films? Or? Uh, some of them end up being a little bit influenced. Like, I don't know if you've seen my drawing of Snape, but it looks too much like Alan Rickman. To, um, I'm not sure whether that was what I saw him as before, but it's very similar. I think that Alan Rickman is a good cast decision, casting decision because he really does look like Snape and that's what I thought he would be like. You know, he is a, yes, it is a very accurate portrayal and I've seen your pictures and they are they are very good. Thank you. So, yes, because I think you have a, a link in your profile. Yeah, it's on um, my... If anyone else wants to go and look at Kyrene's art, which it's, is uh, very good, then that's where the link is. It's on my there. signature. Oh, well. right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So, do you like the films? I mean, we've got a new one coming up. I mean, the, we've got yeah. a new countdown. Now yeah. We've got Half Blood Prince is behind us now. We went through the 200 days or whatever yeah. it was of absolute anxiety and frustration wanting that book. And now we've got a new countdown waiting for the Goblet of Fire film. So, are you looking forward to that? You know, given yeah. that you like the visual aspects. Yeah, I am. I am. Rather, I'd rather read the book any day because the film's missed too much out but um, I do enjoy watching the films because it's like a different like media sort of thing a different uh, aspect of seeing things and it's much easier to watch a film than read the whole book again so. yes yes I find my uh, I know people who haven't read the books but they watch the films and they enjoy them just as much as I enjoy uh, the books yeah so it's a whole other fan thing out there just for the films I suppose yes so, do you have high expectations for this next book, the film, yeah. sorry? Yeah, I was um, really interested talking about the test screening re report, and I've made lots of posts on that thread. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be good. Um, the things they've missed out, I'm not really too bothered about. I know they're missing Dobby and Winky out, but and the Dursleys out, but... I don't know. I think I can live without them. Not that I don't like them. I think I can live without them. Yeah. You, you have to make smaller sacrifices to make a, an yeah. excellent film, which I think it will be. I've seen it's the not trailer. As, yeah, and me. It's not as huge as when they missed the marauders out of Prisoner of Azkaban. I just came out the cinema and I was just like, what the hell did they do that for? <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. Prisoner of Azkaban was a very enjoyable film. I, I, quite, yeah. I quite liked it. It was very different from the first two films as well. The whole look of the film was different. Yes, um, because of the different director. The, yeah, and they'd used a lot of different locations from the first two as well. Really? So, yeah, they had. They um, didn't use like, the cathedrals the same as they did in the first two because they used Gloucester and Durham and... Christchurch College and things like that in the first two and they didn't go back to those locations for the third one so it was very different I think oh right because I don't really pay enough attention to notice things like that but uh, I gather you do because you've done quite a bit of work on that 
a lot of yeah. a lot of research. Re- research, um, yeah. We found at the lexicon. Well, very soon it yes. can be. <laughs> um, it's coming. <laughs> There's some pages up, but the the location pages are coming soon. Yeah. So, how many of the locations have you visited? Uh, two. I've been to Scotland and seen the Glenfinnan Viaduct where they filmed the car scene from the Chamber of Secrets where the trains go in yeah. across the bridge. And I've been to Gloucester Cathedral, which was used in the first two for um, the corridor scenes, like where the writing was on the wall for the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. That was the wall was at Gloucester, so you can see the uh, the shapes in the wall because it's a very uh, nice decorated place, so it's recognisable. Yes. Yeah. So when you were there, you could see the things from the films. Yeah, it was very obvious where they'd filmed nice. different That's things. Good. Well then, so we have we have several films left to go, but only one book. Um, I know. So do you have any predictions? Things that you're pretty sure are going to happen, or things you want to happen? Um, I don't want Harry to die. I'm pretty <laughs> adamant about that. <laughs> um, I don't want anyone on the good side no, to die. But do you think they will? No. Because uh, we have a little survey going um, on who you <laughs> think will die. Do you think Harry will live, rather than do you hope? I hope he lives. I hope everyone lives, but... Yeah. What, you think he'll make it through? I think he will. Yeah, well, um, if he... If he um, if he survives, then it's got to be Voldemort that dies, because of the whole neither can live while the other yes. does, sort of, One in, of the, in the prophecy. Yeah, so it's got to be Voldemort. Yeah, sad, in the end. sad as that moment for me will be. Oh, yeah, I'm yes, sure you'll be des- I'll, I'll devastated. <laughs> um, what about uh, Hermione? Uh, I think she'll live because I think Harry's going to need her help because she's very brainy. So um, I think that will be useful. And his to red-headed him. best friend, Ron. <laughs> I don't know. I think he might die. Really? I really don't want him to, but I'm not why sure. Why do you why do you think he'll yeah. die? Because he's the sidekick or another yeah, reason? Because he's a sidekick. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be harsh to say he hasn't got many uses, but um that's kind of the idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hermione's got a lot of brains. Yeah, I mean Ron's good at Quidditch and you know, that's all very good, but and chess, of course. Chess, he's yes. very good at chess. Yeah. So he's obviously got a fairly logical, strategic mind. Yeah, I suppose. Never so. saw it like that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about uh, Draco Malfoy? Um, um, I think he'll die. I think the Death Eaters will come after him now. Because I think they'll just murder their whole uh, Malfoy family. <laughs> Finish the, uh, the, the, the wonderful pure bloods off. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that will happen. Cause Again, another sad moment in Harry Potter history. 
Yeah, well, I don't think uh, Voldemort's too keen on Lucius anymore. No. So I think that he's got something coming his way. <laughs> yes. So, um, how about Hagrid? Oh, um, I thought he's been going going to die since someone was going to die in Order of Phoenix. So he's held out this long. Will he yeah. hold out for the next book? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I think that. I think like the Death Eaters might come and take Hogwarts over or something like that, and they die in the struggle. A bit like the end of Half-Blood Prince, but a bit more extreme. Yeah, a lot when more devastating. The, yeah, the the um, when the Death Eaters break out of Azkaban, wh- who are in there, like I think that that'll happen. It'll be very very dramatic. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's just like where will Snape be though? What will he do? Yes, will Snape live? Oh, um, yes. You think he will? I think he will, yeah. Yes. I don't think she'll kill him off. I don't know. Maybe Harry will kill him. <laughs> oh, that will <laughs> and be get a the twist. R- And get the wrong end of the stick, and then Snape's not evil, really, but Harry's just killed him. <laughs> no, that would be horrible. That would be a very painful ending. <laughs> yeah. for, well, for Snape fans and Harry fans, I think. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so is there anyone else you think is uh, a definite not going to make it to the end? Um, no, I think everyone else will live. Hopefully. <laughs> Keep crossing yes. my fingers. <laughs> what about Fenrir Greyback? Oh, he's horrible. I Nobody hate him. likes um, him. No, he's just creepy. I don't know. I, d- I don't... Uh, maybe you will die. Maybe, I don't know, someone will eat him. <laughs> Get mauled by the underground werewolves. That will yeah. be <laughs> Well then, uh, I think that will conclude our little discussion. It was lovely talking to you, Elaine. And thank you for joining yeah, same in. Here. I'm sure everyone's going to love listening to what you've had to say. It was really interesting. Um, and thank you to everyone else Thanks. for listening. So, uh, goodbye. Bye. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's Modcast. Everyone will please not panic. Welcome to the Modcast. This is our third Modcast segment with featuring our moderators and administrators from LeakyLounge.com. I am Kim Parker, known very creatively on the boards as Kim M. Parker. Hi, I'm Doris Herman, known on the boards as Darcy. Hi, I'm Alex Robham, also known on the boards as G.H. Alex. I am John Noe, known on the boards as John TLC. And I'm Nick Ryan, known on the boards as Nick TLC, the administrator of the Leaky Lounge. And we're here to bring you discussions on... (laughs) We're here to bring you discussions on everything Potter, but of course today we'd like to take a topic out of our forum, specifically the Obscurus Books Forum, called We're Overthinking Everything. We'd like to discuss it and share some of our members' thoughts with you guys and our thoughts on our members' thoughts. Just to synopsize this thread, it's talking about how, uh, based on the interview given by Melissa and Emerson from The Leaky Cauldron and MuggleNet, respectively, uh, this member... Who are not dating. (laughs) Despite what some of our staff may think. There's no shipping between the two of them. So... (laughs) Anyways, Nick, continue. Anyways. Sorry, Um, Nick. (laughs) 
This member called I Break for House Cells is discussing how basically all of our theorizing or most of our theorizing is pointless because we're really just grasping at straws here, trying to find theories for things that really aren't going to happen. Um, two examples being Neville and the gum wrappers in Order of the Phoenix and also shipping in general. So let's start with uh, how about Neville and the gum wrappers? You know, the supposed significance of that was not hurt by all of the gum wrappers all over Joe's website. <laughs> you can kind of see where people were thinking that those might be important. Yeah, so it's all Joe's fault, really. Of course. It's all it's all her fault. What, what's wrong with her? Yeah, now you can really, I, I could see where people would think that with all of, you know, the, there are gum wrappers everywhere. It, it is kind of a, seemed like it was a clue, but um, And I you think not. that she would really go so far as to put clues on her website like that that are incredibly discreet you know sometimes sometimes she hides things out in the open things that seem like later that they should be obvious but they weren't at the time you mean like the fact that remus lupin is a werewolf and his first name was remus <laughs> yeah and it took me Ooh. three readings of being a prisoner of azkaban to get that in <laughs> oh poor kim <laughs> four years of latin and i'm still mad at myself for missing that one <laughs> nice yeah i was surprised by the werewolf <laughs> God, I'm stupid. You are no Hermione. No, you're not. Because she leaves these these clues out seemingly in the open in some cases, things like that, and some a lot of names are very obvious clues. And then mm-hmm. she also has this kind of second layer of, you know, everything could be potentially the fulcrum of the entire plot, you know. And everything hinges on... Well, and the fact that very repeatedly we've met one character, you know, in a book and then suddenly realize how important that person is two, three, four books even later. So True. people have been trained to pick out those little bits. Like a serious Black in the first so, book. Right. And then when everybody's heard the name Mark Evans, of course, everybody jumps on, you know, oh, here's a name that was mentioned once and it's going to be so important later. And, and it just wasn't. Hey, speaking right. of that. And forgive me for having only read the <laughs> book six once. Did we uh, hear anything about uh, uh, Miss Lovegood? Mrs. Lovegood or Luna? Luna. Yes. Was she was. in the book She's at all? Not... John. Yeah. Does she do she anything? Popped up a few times. Well, yeah. she went out with Harry once. She did? No, she didn't. Did she? Yes, yeah, she. She went to. She oh, went that's to the right. Party. The party. What the hell? That's right. She went to the but party. For the record, everyone, John's been just a little. I don't, little I don't bit really like Harry Potter. <laughs> John. Yeah. Getting this podcast yeah. up and I off the ground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we bow down before John. Yes, we worship John. You guys are wasting your time. Before we lower the rings. <laughs> that is sarcasm, yes, of course. by the way. He doesn't really mean no, that. I'm stupid. Yeah, well, we knew that yeah. already, but still. But yeah, Luna went to the, um, went to the Christmas party with Harry. That's More, right. I think, as a way to introduce a little bit of Hermione's state of mind because it allowed them to sit and talk with her and find out about, you know, good old Cormac and his insanity. You you know, I know there's people that hate this word, but it let them bring in the little bits with the shipping. Ooh. I know. Ooh, shipping. I'm not Bad. saying beyond that. I'm not getting a rep. You guys were already, <laughs> giving, you were already teasing about already it earlier. I know. I don't want what I've got, but, you know, there are those things. And, and since the... the Topic post here in the thread that we're looking at brought up the idea that Joe went and did the obvious pairing. I mean, there is really no way around that. Well, that's true. That's true. Scabbers. 
Speaking of another obvious clue. Hey, rat boy yes. over there. Where are you? I'm wondering. Yeah. Okay, so let's just move on. Um, <laughs> our, our scabby rat does not to want to talk shipping. <laughs> You're not going to discuss it? Come Who on. did you ship, Mr. Rat? How about, okay, let's skip forward to shipping. <laughs> we know that there are many, many essays saying how, you know, the love between Trevor the Toad and Scabbers the Rat is going to affect the universe. And <laughs> as we all know, they can't all be right. So how exactly, if at all, is shipping going to affect the end of the series? And have we just completely overthought everything related to relationships? I think that any teenage, any book that has teenagers as characters is going to have relationships in it. I mean, it's a huge part of being 16, 17 years old. And I think that's where it plays in. It it helps build the characters. It tells you a little bit about them. And, and I think that's probably just about it. Yeah, I don't see it being the, the bit that the whole series relies on. I don't see it being the most important thing to happen in the books. It's fun. It's off to the side. But it's just a secondary piece. Well, I don't know. Here's what here's what John thinks. John doesn't think too well. And John is going so to tell us. Bear with me. I don't think very well. But especially at here, two. Well, not while I'm talking. Let me talk. If we're to <laughs> understand that uh, this this power that Harry's got that <laughs> this power he's got <laughs> that uh, Dark Lord doesn't know about and. Uh, most people have interpreted that as being uh, some form of love, then how can these relationships he's got with Ginny or, you know, whoever else uh, not come, in, come into play there? I mean, what other kind of love? Well, it could be something as simple as just the love between him and his, his mother, where, you know, her protection and her love for him created this barrier against Voldemort that hurt. Yeah, former barrier against Voldemort. Yeah. Well, and I think it's the unselfish love, too, that his mother had. I mean, she gave herself for her son. That was very yeah, I mean, unselfish. And I think that that protection kind of thing may have already played its course, though. I mean, hasn't he already overcome that particular barrier? Yeah. And Alex has yeah. already touched him. It makes the character... It does. It makes, it, it makes them more... There's a lot of little bits she puts in there that makes you know you're dealing with teenage boys and girls. And I think this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't know, you know, reading it obviously from adults' point of view, I don't know whether or not the kids are, or whether or not teenagers pick up on that bit and see themselves and the characters going through the same things. But I know I think back to height when I was in high school. That was a long time ago, wasn't it, Kim? I know it was ancient years ago. I when I first read the book, I picked on it up on it right away. That's exactly what we're going through right now. It's, it made it seem much more real than the some of the other books parts of the book were. It's not all fairy tale. But that's fun. I mean, I'd hate for them to be 11 through 7 books. Oh, obviously. But see, back, back to my thing, though, I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to start to get off topic here, but if he's going to have to take care of Voldemort, whether or not it's going to end up being a direct murder or not, then it's going to have to involve this power that the Dark Lord knows not, and uh, indications are saying that it's going to be something to do with love. And uh, again, l looking towards how he's going to be able to take care of, of Voldemort, we didn't really see a whole lot of um, heavy training for Harry in book six, building up to making him a better wizard, a better fighter, a better dueler, any of that kind of stuff. But we did spend a whole lot of 
uh, time in writing about, I mean, it's like we were getting hit over the head that, okay, they have romantic relationships now. So I'd be very surprised that something to do with him suddenly developing that part of his personality where there's love involved is not going to have something to do with either increasing his power or being helping in this fight. I'd, I'd be surprised if this was all just extra fluff to run out the stories. Hmm. Well, we've got two years worth of theorizing to work out that theory there, John. Yeah, yeah. we do. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be discussing it. Yeah, that we and do. And I guess two years now of are we over theorizing or are we not? You know, yeah. Are we in our in our desire to know what's going to happen next? Are we going overboard? Are we thinking way too much into it? Hmm. And That's there's definitely question. been plenty of books published <laughs> that over theorize. I won't name any names. Be good, John. Yeah, but you know there are a couple people in this in this thread that um, have mentioned how. It's it's fun. It's you know English professors oh, do it all the time. You know it's just fun to sit around and try to figure out what's going to happen next. And then you know I did it when this book six came out. First thing I did is got my checklist out. Okay, I predicted that one. No, I never saw that one coming. You know it was kind of interesting. I think I think and I think some of the posters in this thread are right that we don't know whether or not we're uh, Vicky the house elf here and I think it's post six of the thread is talking about how we we won't know what's going on until we. Till we're done because we don't have all of the clues right now. We're still looking at it in separate bits. Yeah, right. and you know I like when people sort of poke fun at it. Like, and, and I'm I'm hoping I'm not mispronouncing your username, but Unju in post number nine makes a joke about you know for good measure why don't we consider the importance of Dobby's tea cozy? It's all in good fun. It's not something yeah. that you have to get upset about or or argue about. It's just fun. It's fun to theorize. It's fun to try to make these predictions. But that tea cozy is really important, though. That's totally going to end up being a horcrux. <laughs> you know, well, John, I, I think... totally agree with you. <laughs> I, 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 like I could the... totally see Voldemort into that tea cozy as being an important object. <laughs> oh, totally. I think now, I think we're finally actually getting out of the over-theorizing with the shipping. Yeah. And now it's well, who's left the ship everywhere. <laughs> who's, who's left to even ship at this point? I've got some nominees, but, you know, they might make me lose my purple pip. <laughs> we're not going there. No, we're not going there. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess we could still ship Neville. Neville can hook up with somebody. Who knows? But Luna. I mean, Neville, Neville and Luna would love to. Neville be perfect that's for each other. That's actually one of the few that Joe has well, shot down. Check her website oh, out. Oh, that's right. She did. <laughs> I, I, I Aside from the, the fact. I mod the shipping thread. I have read that Joe has a, a website? When did this happen? Oh, months ago. Oh. Uh, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, just a little behind the <laughs> yeah. time. Why don't you go look, John? <laughs> John, there's this there's this really great writer. Her name is J.K. Rowling. She's got this really cool website. But it's interesting to see that. But I I think right now we're gonna start to see we're gonna start to see everything be considered a horcrux. I mean, I swear, any little thing that any character has touched in the last six books now, that's a horcrux. That's a horcrux. Right. That'd be right. a really fun list to make. It would be. That things would be that a could really be a horcrux. <laughs> topic for another modcast, perhaps? Thank Absolutely. Things. Very good topic. That would be that so would be very fun. Look forward sometime in the future then to us doing things that that might be horcruxes. <laughs> or things that absolutely aren't horcruxes. <laughs> that would be the topic John's a part of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you That's the one for John. You might drag me into that one again. <laughs> Uh, I guess that about uh, that that about wraps it up here. Um, I hope you all liked uh, listening to this this little mockcast here. Um, for more theorizing, like the thread we talked about, check it out at uh, 
What's that website again, guys? It would be leakylounge.com. And, of course, you can find that through pottercast.com. Yeah, don't forget to plug the Leaky Cauldron. We have to plug the Leaky Cauldron, of course, where it all, where it all started, the Leaky Cauldron. Um, that's where, you know, you all know about the Leaky Cauldron, what the hell. <laughs> yeah, we're, that's, that, 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 uh, <laughs> All I'm thinking right now is that Melissa's going to hear this. And that about sums it up. So before I get in any more trouble with Big Cheese Melissa, uh, this is uh, John. Well, this is Kim saying goodbye and good night, or good morning. This is Alex saying goodbye and good morning. And this is Nick saying have this a wonderful Alex leaky saying day. Goodbye and good morning. We already we already did that, Alex. <laughs> Nick tried again. <laughs> And this is Nick saying, have yourself a wonderful leaky day. And this is John M. Parker ending Modcast 3. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) This is In the Know. Welcome. I'm here with Daniel Ward. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) He is from Chicago and he writes for moviesonline.ca. He was very lucky not only to f- to attend an early screening of, Gar- of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, but to know ahead of time what it would be. And so he went in f- with his eyes open as a fan, having read the books many, many, many times. Um, so what happened when they said, you're about to view, you're about to be some of the first people in the world to view Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire? When they when they stood up and announced that, when everyone was actually in the theater, the theater erupted in applause. People were screaming, giving each other high fives. It was it was something else. And uh, even the relief hearing it, even knowing what film it was going to be, the relief of actually hearing it, you know, I was on my feet clapping along with everybody else. Awesome, Harry Potter fam- fans, man, we are a we're a reserved we're a bunch. bunch. Yeah. <laughs> We're very calm. No, very calm. <laughs> quite not. Um, not at all. <laughs> so what was the first thing you saw that made an impression on you? The first thing to capture my attention was when I noticed that they were going to change around the storyline in order to make the film work a little bit better. Ooh. Yes. We started in the Riddle House, and instead of it just being Voldemort, uh-huh. Peter Pettigrew, uh-huh. And Nagini the Snake. Uh-huh. There was another person in the room. Oh. This do, person do, do, comes do. into play throughout the film. And uh, I think introducing him in the beginning is good for those people who haven't read the book so that they can follow the story a little okay. bit easier. Fair enough. Well, did it, did it feel contrived at all? Or, or was the change made natural? It was made natural because it wasn't... When you're watching a film, you can tell when they're treating you like you're naive and like you're not going to notice this new person added to the scene. So they would throw them right in the front with a big close-up, with a big spotlight on them saying, here I am, and introduce them. No, it was more of like the person was lurking sort of half behind other people or a little bit in shadows. So it wasn't blatant and in-your-face that here we're changing stuff up. It was just kind of, it fit. It fit really well. And it continued to fit well throughout the film with all the changes they made. Lurking in the shadows are, oh man, they're going to, 
you cannot pull things over on Potter fans. All we have to do is say that there's somebody else in the room. They're going to know exactly who it is. Oh, I know. I yeah. know. But we're not going to tell you. Not we're not going to tell you. You can you can theorize till the cow to the cows come home to the ro roosters root anyway. Um <laughs> so let's talk let's talk about some of the major points in the book. Everybody, everybody and their pubescent teenage daughters are looking mm -hmm. forward to the Yule Ball. How is oh, that? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. The Yule Ball is visually exactly the way you would want it to be after reading the book. The same way that they stayed true to the book and the imagery in the first three films. The kids looked grown up. They looked, they looked, it was this, it was like when, when you were a freshman in high school, because mm -hmm. they're around that age. It was oh. like when you were at a were freshman in high school and you went to your first homecoming. Okay, when I went, okay. When I was a freshman in high school, I'm sorry, I did uh -oh. not look like Emma Watson in a dress. <laughs> oh, I mean, she's gorgeous. She, yeah. yeah, she's a gorgeous young lady. And so, so yeah, probably probably freshman in high school without the pimples and without the <laughs> without the growing spurts. But yeah, it's probably a really, really beautiful scene. It's, the, it's a beautiful scene. The way they introduce Emma walking down the stairs... She turns and looks at the camera, and she just glows in a way that mm -hmm. you haven't seen her glow before, because she's always being the, you know, sort of a tomboy or you know a bookish, studious person. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, you see her, and it's just a big, huge change. So they do accomplish a change because one one of the big criticisms is that Emma Watson is so beautiful, and they have made no effort to sort of Hermione her, sort of make her a little bit more dowdy, a little bit more bookish. Some of the criticism is that it's going to be hard to make her look so astonishingly different because she mm -hmm. just is that beautiful. So there is a big change in her. There is a big change in her, in the fact that you see her dressed up in this way and you actually she looks classy she doesn't she, you can't make Hermione look like Britney Spears because Please that's God, not no. who Hermione is you know let's not go there mm. Hermione um, hallelujah yeah and <laughs> I mean she, she has a classic beauty to her that'll last and yeah. that people won't look at her and think of her as all of a sudden this babe who has this body or something like that they're not going to um, uh, do what they oftentimes do to young women hmm. in media. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what words to use there. There probably aren't words we can use, so right. we'll let everybody's imagination. Yeah. No, we don't want right. that happening to Hermione or, no, or Irma. We, no. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. While we're on the Yule Ball topic and the romance topic, I, I I dread to bring it up. But how were all the couples? One of the one of the best scenes in the film comes at the Yule Ball, and it's with Ginny Weasley and uh, Neville Longbottom. Oh. Their chemistry is just amazing, and they're having so much fun, and uh, they're just enjoying themselves, enjoying themselves so much. Uh, after the Yule Ball's over, Neville stumbles back into the dorm, still dancing. Uh, he was like the last person to leave the ball, and uh, it's, I don't know, it's, re it's, it's, really, it's really cool to see how he develops that way, too. It's funny because Mag Professor McGonagall gives a dance lesson. <laughs> before the Yule Ball so that oh, no. everyone will have an idea of what to do. And uh, <laughs> much to his surprise, one of the students is uh, chosen out of the class to be her dance partner and uh, is terrified by it. Oh, well, I think we can imagine who that might be. 
yeah. who it always ends up being. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're not going to say any more about that. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. It's, <laughs> it's, that's it's one of the funniest scenes in the film. Oh, excellent. Good. Good. And then we want. My goggles face during that whole situation. She's so uncomfortable. She doesn't want to do this. <laughs> she wants to remain that authority figure. She doesn't, you know. Well, you'll see. Oh yeah, McGonagall being forced. Oh goodness. Mm -hmm. What about the main trio? What about their romances? How does that work? There's sort of. I don't want to use too strong of words here by saying this, because I'm stronger a huge Harry Potter fan. Stronger <laughs> words have been used to describe shippers. Just go for it. Okay, let, here we go. There's a love triangle between Harry and Hermione and Ron. Oh, oh. And, and different, at different points in the film, you see sparks fly between Harry and Hermione. They may be subtle, but they're there, and you can pick up on them. And uh, really, I really don't want to go and point them out, because I know mm. that the Harry Potter fans will be able to do that themselves. <laughs> they might even find some. That you didn't that. see. <laughs> no, it's interesting because not because we've had. Okay, we've had confirmation now. We know how it ends up. We know that if right. that a, a, a triangle is not the way the books went or will right. go. So I find it interesting that the filmmakers made the choice to go one way. You really start to notice at the Yule Ball scene that Hermione's interests are with Ron. There, there are some subtle gestures that they may be leaning toward Harry earlier in the film, but the clincher is at the Yule Ball scene when Hermione finally yells at Ron and lays into him and really gives it to him that he had not asked her to go before Crumb had asked her. Mm. What does Ron do? He sits there like a 14-year-old Ronald Weasley and doesn't say a word. Okay, so let's, enough with that fluffy romance stuff. Let's talk Voldemort. Oh, Voldemort. Ray Fiennes is very good with the Voldemort role. Well, what does he um, look like? How did they? How did they visualize? How know, did they realize this? They, they continued along the same lines as, um, the first movie, where he was, so, you know, sort of attached and just, you know, shrunken and wrinkled and gray and sort of formless, but he had that glint in his eyes and you could see it uh, you could see his hatred and just how evil he was that's the way he looks from the beginning of the from the beginning of this film when you first get a glimpse of him and then in the graveyard scene when he's carried into uh, mm. the situation with Harry mm -hmm. and dropped into the cauldron mm -hmm. in order mm -hmm. for him to reemerge in his new bot era in his you know full body full Yuck. form Mm -hmm. Um, so he, so he originally, you know, he has that sort of just like a gray alien, like small, childlike, very, very clingy, very needing, very weak. Um, and then, and then when he, when his form takes shape, it's hard to, it's hard to say exactly what we're going to see with the final results because we only saw a couple glimpses of the final effects. Okay. Um. But he's large. Hmm. He's a large, you know, they present him as being a large, very strong man, um, very stately. Uh, the glimpses we saw of the finished facial effects, he has a snake-like nose. Mm -hmm. So it, it appears as if 
his human nose had deteriorated and wasted away and um, was pushed back towards his face with the to make it look more uh, snake-like. Like if he got hit with a frying pan. It would, yeah, it like flattened and, and uh, just deteriorated. Ew. The rest of his face is very, um, very scarred looking, um, very worn out, like leathery, uh, really gray, and um, but but still very powerful at the same time. He's a very powerful look. Hmm. To the effects with the effects that they did to his face, he has. He, the result is a very powerful, strong, intimidating look. Right. Well, that's what we want. That's what we want from Voldemort. Again, it's what you would. Ex it's what you. It's the way you visualize it as a reader. They they took that and they put it on the screen for you. Well, that's such a huge job, and it's it's so it's so hard. I, people say, oh, they they did it just how I imagined. They think it was this easy thing to do, but imagine having up eight million hundred million readers. And having to satisfy each of their visions in their own head. We've all got a slightly different idea. And you've got to come up with something that matches everybody's, you know? Mm -hmm. So when we say that, I, I, wa I just want to make sure people understand how hard that must have been to do. Mad-Eye. What about Mad-Eye Moody? Mad-Eye Moody, again, is right on the mark. His, his presence as a character in the film is familiar. It's like he jumped right out of the pages and ended ended up right there on the screen for us um he's a very large broad man mm -hmm. very tall mm -hmm. uh the eye effect is like i said it's just it blows your mind it looks so real and it looks like it belongs there mm -hmm. um even you know you know it's not but uh his scenes are are very intense very powerful um, he delivers his lines in a way that you can see everyone being affected by the mm -hmm. things he's saying. He has he has comical mo moments. He has frightening moments. Um, there's times where you really start to care care for him, and you begin to get confused because you've read the book and you know what's really going on. And you start to get a little bit confused, and you're thinking to yourself, "Where are they going to go with this?" Because I'm even starting to be to get fooled by him. How's Rita Skeeter? I think people are really going to enjoy her. She has one really good scene, and it's in the closet with Harry. <laughs> she's giving him the interview and the uh, the quick notes. The oh, quick yeah. Quill, quick quotes. Uh, the quick quotes pops out and um, starts, you know, flying away and writing down everything that is not said. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's a really good scene, too. Um, Scar be so speaking she... a troubled past and all that stuff. <laughs> Excellent. So dramatic. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that's I think that's her lasting scene from the film mm -hmm. but she does you know she's involved in a lot of different uh in a lot of different parts of the film um i really think that this character is going to go a notch higher in the fifth film though huh and i and again i i think she she was a perfect call for that role did they keep the plot line with her being a bug no, they didn't. And yeah. If they did, I didn't catch it. Like I, if they, what I meant by that is that if they introduced the bug, kind of lurking in the corners, paying attention to what was going on, I mi I missed that. So overall, as a film fan, how does this film rate? Not just as a Harry Potter fan, but as somebody who appreciates good films, this is an excellent movie. Mm. It's when in its finished form, it's going to be 
a lot of people's favorite film, not only of the Harry Potter series, but of films they've seen in a very long time. I think this film has a lot of lasting qualities, and it's so well done and so tight that it, the reviews are going to be excellent, and not only from the critics, but from the fans, and people are going to want to see this over and over at the theater. That's exciting. That's ex it's, it's very really, exciting. Yeah, because um, this is it. This is the big blocks, blockbuster movie. As far as we know, the series gets very hard from here on out. And not that it, not that this is not hard, but this was the one that was going to be a big blockbuster. And we discussed on an earlier podcast that um, the movie studios, the movie industry, is really is hoping that Potter will perform as a gigantic blockbuster. So is it gonna is it gonna do it? It's gonna do it. This is definitely the best of the series. Every person I've talked to who has seen it has said the exact same thing. I would hope that because it is a superior film, that it breaks those records. Hmm. I hope so too. I think Spider Man's had it long enough for whoever has it. All time domestic. Um where's Harry? Harry Potter only comes in at number 16 with 317 million. Wow. But it'd be higher than that. What's top? The top is Titanic with 600 million. I think the ship needs to go down. I do. I agree with you. <laughs> I think we need to sink that ship. Okay. That you heard it, Harry Potter fans. You have We're to. We're sinking the Titanic ship. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, guys. November 18th. I hope it's as good as you say. I'm going to hold it you is. personally responsible if it's not. Oh, you can. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to. I I would love to hear back from you uh, about um, what your reactions are, and I'm sure. That, and I'll keep an eye on uh, the Leaky Cauldron to see what all all of your fan uh, all the fans on the site are saying about it too. Cool. We'll definitely we will have reviews on Leaky. We'll have reviews on Pottercast. We'll have fan reviews on Pottercast. We're going to cover this thing up and down. So make sure to to stay on Pottercast.com for it. You guys and have everything. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> We've got a lot of great fans. That's what we have. That's so. true. You guys do. A lot of very great, loyal fans. Yeah. They're awesome, aren't they? They're wonderful. Makes me proud. They come up with such great... Um, I've been in the I've been in the forums and uh, just some of the things that I think of, and then I go, you know, I'll be like, oh, you know, maybe uh, Aunt Petunia has, is a squib, and then I'll go in there and I'll... And, 5,000 people have already come up with that idea. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Where have you been? Have you been, like, oh theorizing God. for the past four years? Yeah, and then without reading anything, you post something naive yeah. and everyone's Bad idea. after you. Yeah. Look, you aren't following our rules, okay? <laughs> uh, it was said, like, three months ago. Yeah, we already, we already covered this topic. Go back topic go back and read your rules yeah no i know i know i know and i'm not making fun of our of our of our forums i'm making fun of all forums all fan forums mm -hmm. when you're new in a fan forum it is a terrifying thing to be it really is it's a lot of playing catch up it's but it's worth it in the in the long run you know it's worth it i have a a lot of friends in the forum communities that i belong to and i'm making a lot of friends at the harry potter communities it's it's really really fun and LeakyLounge.com is your number one place for Harry Potter community, right? Absolutely. There you go. Now we can air this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Daniel, thank you so much. Time to put on our...
Extendable ears. Listen in on Potter talk from the people making the magic. Welcome to Extendable Ears, the portion of the show where we bring you a bit of an interview with the people who put together the Harry Potter films and books. This segment is partially sponsored by Retrovision Magazine, which is publishing a Harry Potter news diary this September, which should be of interest to a lot of fans. It's going to feature a 35,000-word news chronicle and one-on-one interviews with directors, producers, and the main Harry Potter actors. Fan-known artist Alice Wack designed the front cover for the magazine, which you can order at darkcommandos.com. That's D-A-R-K-C-O-M-M-A-N-D-O-S. Com. This week we have a clip from our archives of an interview with Alfonso Coran, who directed the third Harry Potter film, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Here he speaks about the collaborative process, the main trio of actors, and goes into some more depth on some things we've heard him touch upon in the past. As we start, he's speaking about the film A Little Princess, and how directing it served well to lead him to direct Harry Potter. That helped a lot in the sense of 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 being a a, a film that J.K. Uh, Rowling uh, likes, and, uh, and 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 that David Heyman liked, and the Warner Brothers liked, and I did with Warner Brothers, and then you know that that whole thing <laughs> helped the the, the 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 decision of me making this film. I talked to uh, my friend Guillermo del Toro. He's a director. He did Play uh, Two. And, and he he was championing me, me to 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 really do this. And I, and when I was thinking to do, it, he said, "Yes, but you have to do it. If you do it, serve the material. Don't try to do uh, an Alfonso Cuarón movie. You serve the material. And by serving the material, you may do the your your, your best movie ever." Starting with that standpoint, I, I have to say it became very interesting because then it was actually a pleasure trying to go into the transition. Trying to, it was a sweet challenge, not a difficult, difficult challenge. But it was as long as it was serving the material, and the material meant in, first and before anything else, the book, and secondly, the, the 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 position of this film in the franchise of Harry Potter. I mean, it, you, you didn't want the, the people to go into this third movie and feel that they are in, a, in an alien world. They have to feel that they are in the same universe. And it has to be recognizable enough. But at the same time, I want to have fun adding from my own. You know? And, and, and the, the, the great thing is I felt so comfortable with that universe because I loved it. It, it was actually one of the freest experience I ever have making a film. I mean, I'm not saying that here and there there were no disagreements and about, about details. We're, we're talking details. And, and sometimes, you know, is when you, you, you learn to listen a little bit and say, wow, actually, you know what? This other idea is way better. Every film has comes with these kind of problems. It, it, it represented in different ways. You know, is it, you say you're free, yeah, and then you have other limitations. Could be budget, could be logistic, could be fate, life, whatever. And it's just how you, you it's just the approach of how you how you approach those. Uh, rather than seeing challenges, you just seeing them as as, as uh, you know, if if people gives you a note rather than disregard a note is take five minutes with a note yeah and you find something interesting that somebody maybe and maybe it's not the the purpose of the original note but you find a door into something that that, that can be interesting and uh, I, I guess this is what is called collaboration and in a movie like this it's so huge it's so vast in terms of the different departments that you really need to have a sense of of, of collaborating with everybody a part of the universe that I really love is, is uh, of the previous films is uh, the cast. 
I, I, I felt very comfortable working with this cast. But not only that, I had to cast new characters. And then I just feel so the luckiest man. I mean, it's not uh, uh, pretty much if I have to to cast from the get-go, I would have chosen the, the actors that were already casted. All of them uh, loving it. Uh, part of, of, of the thing is that we decided to, from the get-go, that uh, in order for the magic to spring from uh, uh, more naturally, it had to come from ultimately like a real and honest place. So we really wanted to emotionally ground the, the, the style of the performance. I didn't have the luck to meet, to meet uh, uh, Richard Harris. Uh, because I pretty much he passed as, as I was starting into this process. Then it was a, a whole time in which I, I remember people and press speculating and, and everybody was very sad. It was a moment in, uh, he was the godfather of, of David Heyman, one of the producers. And, and so it was a moment that, uh, and for, for a long time we decided, uh, we're not, you know, we're not even open to think about recasting or anything. You know, it's, uh, let it, we will, We'll do it later. And actually, probably was one of the less uh, uh, actors that, that we uh, uh, that we cast, or one of the less characters that we cast. And uh, and yes, I was involved, and 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 I'm very, very, very happy with the decision. Little Princess was uh, and a, a great experience of working with this group great, uh, group of of girls. The um, uh, but something that uh, I learned there is was the um, the the amazing emotional understanding that kids have when they are into acting, into make believing. It's not that they are just doing pretty faces or or, or faking it. I mean, they go into into they go into real places, and uh, and they're willing and they have the understanding and also they they have the understanding that it can be a game, a game in the sense that you make believe and you can make uh, believe that your, your your character is into a lot of pain but uh, once it used to make you have the control of the make believe and uh, i was just so lucky that these three kids uh, i'm talking not the three of them but all of them but the three of them because it was you know most of the movie uh is carried by them is that uh they are i got them in the in the best of the moments when they are don't a couple of movies already, so they have a, the whole technical experience. But now they want to take themselves seriously as actors. And uh, so pretty much they put themselves in your hands, and uh, and they're very raw, and uh, but very, very eager and, and very willing and very courageous. That's what I, well, at these kids, but I, I find them so courageous and, and honest. Um, and... Uh, uh, the um, I think that the three of them deliver really, really interesting uh, performances, but also with a charm that you people have seen them growing up, and I think it's an, a, a natural evolution, a natural transition in, in which what these characters are becoming. For me, the, the whole thing that that comes into terms with everything is the time turner scene, but because in a way condenses the whole theme of the of the film and and has the emotional resolution. Uh, not only the, the, not only the emotionally, the thematic re resolution of the, of, of the whole, of the whole film, um, uh, in a way it's, it's almost like a little movie inside the movie. Yeah, uh, that, uh, uh, it, it captures all the different uh, elements from 
humor, uh, uh, from from the humor, from the uh, scary elements, from the, the emotional elements, the the, uh, uh, the the mystery, and they put it's put all together and and uh, and and relieved, but resort and learning from the experience. That's what I love is that 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 not only Harry learns from the experience and Hermione learns from the experience of relieving the, what, what they went through, but as an audience, you learn also from the experience. I'm not saying that, uh, not like Hermione and, and Harry that are changing their lives, but, 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 but you learn from the experience. You learn what happened. You, you learn how everything makes sense. And ultimately what you learn is that everything always makes sense. And even if you go and change your path, you, you're already changing something that was already like that. Hi, welcome to our mailbag segment. I'm Melissa from Leaky. I'm Kristen from Leaky. Kristen's making her debut this week. It's exciting. Very exciting. Well, this is the segment where we get into the voicemails that you've been sending us on Skype. So let's get right into it. Hi, this is Matt from the Cincinnati area. I'm a big fan of Pottercast. And I just wanted to ask what role you think Jenny Weasley is going to play in the seventh book. Jenny Weasley in the seventh book. You've got two Ginny lovers here, so you go, Kristen. You first. Jenny's role is going to be huge. Um, I think she's been sitting, setting Jenny up from the beginning for some kind of big hard. I mean, if you go back to when Jenny was introduced, you know, you've got this 11-year-old girl who has this sick, twisted, evil guy living in her head for an entire year. And she, she comes back from that. I mean, if it were still me, I'd be hiding under my bed, living at home. She went back to school the next year. I mean, yeah. come on. She's incredibly strong. I think that really hinted that there was something big coming for her. You know, the last two books, she really showed a strong personality. I think her role is going to be big. On the same token, um, she's an underage wizard. And so while while a lot of fans think that she's just going to throw everything in the air and run after, after Harry and, and Hermione and Ron on the Horcrux hunt, Molly still sort of has her. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She, it's not going to be that easy. Yeah. So Molly, Molly will still strong arm her and will still force her to go back to school or, or force her wherever she wants her because she can. She, Ginny is not an of age wizard, can't do anything magically on her own without getting, you know, warned. Right. But by the same token, Ginny has shown herself to be strong enough that when she decides she needs to be there to help, it, that's not going to stop her. Yeah. I sort of feel like that one day they're going to be hunting down a Horcrux and, and they'll turn around and there's Ginny. <laughs> right. And Harry will try his, no, no, you need to stay away from me. And she'll be like, yeah, okay, right, Harry. What's next? Yeah, she'll be like, sorry, Harry, the Spider-Man thing, done. <laughs> oh, my God, the Spider-Man <laughs> thing. It's 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 been done by Tobey Maguire. <laughs> you can't do it again. Right. So, no, Ginny, Ginny, Ginny is strong enough that she just, she's she is rebellious enough that she's just going to turn around and and decide that she's going to be part of the action. I don't think even Joe maybe could hold her down. Yeah, I definitely agree. Hey, Melissa. My name is Rob from New York, and I'm just listening to the second podcast, and I heard some, one of you guys say that um, you don't think Harry Potter could die. Now, my question to you guys is, how do you think he could possibly live after a fight to the death with Lord Voldemort. I feel as though 
if he does fight and he does come out victorious, but I, I don't think he could live a regular life with all the deaths and all the things he's seen. So I sort of feel like Lord Voldemort and Harry both are going to die. So how can Harry live? It's like the Frodo question. How can he have a, have a life after everything he does? Right. Well, how can he survive? And then if he does survive, how can he have a life? What do you think? Um, well, first of all, I wouldn't put a pastor to kill Harry. I, I don't think we can assume anything about what's going to happen in the next book. Um, that, that's sad. I mean, I, my gut feeling is that she won't. But, you know, my gut lies to me constantly. So yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, I sort of feel like Harry, um, you, you know, can he do everything and, and move on and be a functioning person? Yeah, I think he can. Because, right. Grin, you know, Dumbledore killed Grindelwald. I, I'm sure it wasn't easy. And though though Dumbledore is an isolated person and he is sort of an oddball, um, he does function in the world. He, is, he has a normal life. He, you know, he might have had love at some point. He might have had a family that we don't know about, you know, et cetera. So... I feel that that she's showing us somebody in Harry who is strong enough, who has a strong enough moral core, who is um, strong enough emotionally, and should they live, will have a strong enough family network in the in the Weasleys that there there's no reason for him to retract from reality. I think I think it would it would take something away from his brand of heroics if doing all that meant that he had to sacrifice his life. I just feel like she's showing us somebody who can get over it. Although, you know, I also feel like it really depends on what she's going for plot wise. Like what, this is a hero cycle thing. Who is Harry? Is Harry someone who has to sacrifice? He's had people sacrificing for him all along. Um, you know, well, Harry survives, but say, I don't know, Jenny's killed. I, you know, anything is possible. Yeah, I, I don't really see Harry hiding under his bed, but yeah. will he get that far? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I have a feeling our answers to a lot of these questions will be, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's I funny. Really it, don't. Yeah. It's interesting when people say, you know, I want to know your answer to this because we're, we're, we may do a lot, a lot more with our time Potter related than most people in the world. But we really are just as stumped as the next person. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're just as clueless. You know, I said before I really would get a kick out of um, the way it would end is like Voldemort starts monologuing and, you know, t going down all the reasons why Harry would never possibly win. And then he like sneaks in and, and gets him when he's not looking. Yeah. That'd be fun. That's all we have time for in this week's mailbag segment. If you'd like us to answer your question about the Harry Potter books, you can call us uh, in the U.S. It's one four two five two nine six two four four five, which is one four two five B Y M A G I K by Magic with a K. In the U.K., it's zero two zero seven one nine three two eight seven two. That's zero two zero seven one nine. 32872. These are not toll-free. It will cost whatever it costs you to call these respective area codes. Kids, please ask your parents before picking up the phone. You can also get us for free by having Skype. Go to skype.com and download it and get us at username Pottercast and you can leave us a message that way as well. As always, our email is staff at Pottercast.com. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. 
Now, here's how you can use those numbers for some fun. Next week, we want to showcase your best Harry Potter impressions. You can take any character from the books or movies and impersonate them. Here's what you do. Make sure you have those numbers written down or you can get to us via Skype at username Pottercast. You leave us a voicemail. The only thing on this voicemail must be your name, where you're from, who you'll be impersonating, and the impersonation. The impersonation itself must be 10 seconds or less, and it must be of a direct quote from the books or from the movies. You can pick any character and mimic them to your heart's content. The, the top 20 impersonations of Harry Potter characters will be on next week's podcast, and we will put up a voting link on our site so that the users can determine who wins, and the winner will get something of their choosing within a certain limit from the cauldron shop. That's the end of the third Pottercast. We hope you had fun, and we will be back next week, same time. You can get all your subscription information, if you're not already subscribed, at Pottercast.com. Thanks. We've missed it. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) 